Hey guys, thanks for clicking on play and welcome to a serious conversation. Hey guys, hope you are having an amazing Monday and welcome to another episode of the Serious Conversation with Shewa. So guys, today's show was recommended to me surprisingly by two guys. So shout out to Ida and Dyer. At first I was like, meh, it's going to be a very predictable show. But then I watched the pilot episode and I was like, yes, I want more. So the show is called Why Women Kill. And it's a very blunt statement, which is essentially what we are getting with this show. With three women living in three decades, having to deal with things in their personal lives, specifically with their husbands. And the show focuses on women's issues and marriages and how marriages have changed over the decades. So the show spans over three different decades and takes place in the same Pasadena mansion. The series begins in 1963 with a charming homemaker, Bethan, who discovers that her husband is having an affair. We also see in 1984 a fabulous socialite called Simone who has a similar epiphany, except that her husband is into men. And finally, in 2019, we have a high-powered lawyer called Taylor, who is in a happy open marriage with her husband. So, you start finding out that someone in each timeline ends up dying, but you have no idea who he is. But the big twist, however, is that the killer and the death in each decade are not the expected ones. Like, basically, we all expect it to be wives killing uh, their husbands, right? But it's not so much as what you think. So that adds an extra level of curiosity as viewers watch closely for clues to predict exactly how much murder goes down, which is exactly what I was doing. Like from the first episode, I was like, mm. I was like being all calculated. Like I want to see if I can figure out who kills who and how. And but like you, you're not going to get it right. You think you get it, but you're not. Okay, so let's get into the show. So first up, we have Beth Ann and her husband, Rob, who had just moved into their new house. Beth Ann is basically like all the women in anything you want to see from 1963 1964. She had the front page dress, their hair sprayed hair, and she was always so sweet, always had a smile on her face. And all she did was basically cook, clean, and do anything to make her husband happy. So on their first day, they meet their neighbors, Sheila and Leo. And we see Leo trying to figure out where he knows Rob from, but he can't seem to place it. But when he finally does, he decides not to share with the group. So one day, Beth Ann is in the supermarket and overhears Sheila telling someone else her husband had seen Rob kissing a blonde waitress at the back of a diner close to where he works. But Beth Ann doesn't want to believe at first, but she eventually goes to the diner one night her husband was working late and saw him kissing said waitress i have one question for guys like for men why do you always say you're working late when you're cheating like that's like the oldest line in the book like nobody's great you know what and ladies if you think a guy is cheating it probably is like it probably is anyway she convinces her to go confront the girl so better drives to the diner one day to confront the girl but she ends up becoming friends with her guys she becomes friends 
with her husband's mistress. Anyway, she lies and introduces herself as Sheila. She says that her husband had recently passed away, which actually leads to a lot of interesting plot lines. Like, this is one time Bethan asked April why she thinks her boyfriend, who was cheating on her husband, who is actually her husband cheating on her, why he was doing it. April then told her that it's probably because of the sameness of the marriage and how his wife probably wore bland clothes and had had the same hairstyle for years. And then Better Anne looked at herself and then she realized that that was actually describing her. So she decides to go shop in new dress, new shoes, new hairstyle, get her nails, which kind of looks the same to me, but what do I know, right? Anyway, she does all this and her husband doesn't even notice. And she finally points them out to him. Do you know what he says? He says, oh, he doesn't look at things like that because he doesn't see clothes and hair when he looks at her. He just sees the girl he married, which would have been sweet if he wasn't actually cheating on her. Anyway, she goes upstairs, takes off all her clothes and her shoes, and she comes back to the dining butt naked. And I would have been like, yes, girl power. If only Rob's boss hadn't come around at that exact moment. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why you shouldn't have glass doors. I'm going to fast forward a bit and take it to the 80s, which is where we have Simone, who was married to her third husband, Carr. And while having a party at her house, a waiter, who is also her best friend's son, hands her an envelope he found that was addressed to her. And in it was a picture of her husband kissing another man. But as the elegant and class lady she was, she pulled her husband into a bathroom, confronts him, and then tells him to leave the party, go upstairs, and start packing. So after the party is done, Simone goes upstairs and sees that Carl wasn't even closed to done packing. And then she notices that he was just mumbling when she spoke to him, which is when she sees the empty pill bottle and angrily dials 911. And then she slaps him so hard that I thought his head was going to spin. Honestly, Simone is my favorite character. Like, she's so calm and collected, and she does everything so gracefully, and it's all just so intriguing to watch. Anyways, Carl ends up in the hospital, and then her best friend's son comes over to comfort her, because he actually saw what was in the envelope, and then they end up kissing, but she pushes him away because he was her best friend, and he says he's wanted to kiss her for the past five years, which seems long, but isn't when you consider that he was just 13 back then. And then she finds out that her so-called best friend knew her husband was cheating on her, but thankfully she didn't know it was with a guy. But she decided not to tell her because she didn't want to hurt her feelings, I guess. And Simone is like, but well, you're my best friend. And then the girl goes, and you're one of mine. And to be honest, that line stung. But this leads to her agreeing to sleep with Tommy, and she comes to an agreement to Carl that he can live with her until after her daughter's wedding. So I'm gonna hit that fast forward button again and end up in 2019 where we have Taylor and Eli who are in an open marriage. Taylor is a lawyer and Eli is a script writer. I honestly don't understand the concept of open marriage because it all seems messy. I'm right. Cause Taylor who is bisexual by the way is dating a girl called Jade. And Jade is having some stalking issues with her ex-boyfriend and Taylor decides to invite Jade to come stay with them for a few days, which Eli is against at first because they had a rule not because they had a rule not to bring their hookups to the house. 
But when Eli sees how hot Jade is, he's like, meh, why not? What could go wrong, right? Anyways, Jade is the perfect house guest. At first, she cooks, she cleans, what more could they need from her, right? A threesome. Apparently, that is what they needed. That can't get messy, right? Can it? You guys, yes, it can. And if you don't know what a threesome is, well, I'm pretty sure we all have Google accounts. Make use of it. Anyways, they have a threesome and this is when Eli sees that Taylor might actually be in love with this girl. But she obviously denies it and it doesn't help when Eli finds out that she had been seeing Jade for 6 months when she claimed they had only met a few weeks ago. Okay, while that's thinking, I'm going to throw you back to the 60s where we have Beth Ann still trying to do everything to win the husband back. Wow! Also, getting really close to April and actually become a legit friend with her. But thankfully, she has the real Sheila reminding her what the actual goal was. She starts hanging out at April's house, going roller skating with her, and there's even this one time. Rob decides to take her out to watch a live match. I don't know if it's baseball or football. Instead of going to see April perform, he legit chooses his wife over his girlfriend. And then Beth Ann decides to fake a bean stick just so April will have someone there to support her. Like, are you dumb, stupid, or dumb, Beth Ann? We also find out that they once had a daughter who had died. We don't know how or why, but Bethan believes it's her fault. And she believes that's why her husband is cheating on her. But then, April tells Rob that she loves him. And that's when he starts pulling back from her and eventually breaks up with her. If you call not returning her calls, breaking up, then yes, he broke up with her. So while going through all this on her side of the fence, she also meets another neighbor called Mary, who has an abusive husband that yells and hits her. And Beth Ann notices and tries to help. I mean, what was she supposed to do now that her husband's mistress is pregnant? I don't know about you, but I feel like convincing your husband's mistress not to get the abortion that she wants to get is not the smartest move on this planet. I mean, the girl was already there in the clinic ready to do what she thought was right here. Yeah? Since Rob had broken up with her, but Beth Ann's conscience was like, hmm, how can I ruin this for her? And then brings up the memory of how her daughter died. Because apparently she had left the back gate open when her daughter was playing, which was how she got out and got hit by a car. Anyways, because of this stupid decision, she says that Beth Ann has lost sight of her goal when she says that when April has the baby, she can adopt the child or like rob she found the child this is when she was like oh this girl's crazy and decides to stop spending time and being friends with her so now back to the 80s simone and tommy are having an affair but is it really an affair when her husband is gay anyways tommy is falling in love with her but she feels like it's too fast and they should take a break which is why when which is why when her daughter comes to town saying her wedding is off because her fiancé had a thing with his ex before they became a serious couple, I guess. She asked Tommy out to go on a date. Tommy accepts, which I guess was a positive thing because she ends up realizing that she's in love with Tommy and 
Anyways, the 80s storyline is actually pretty fun and he's mostly thinking around and calm for a while trying to win back Simone because he actually loves her. But as a friend, he eventually finds out about Tommy and is happy for her. And then Simone finds him making out in the bathroom with her favorite ex-hairdresser. While all this is going on, back in 2019, Eli is having writer's block and Simone is out of town for a conference and he has 24 hours to come up with his script and all he has is Jade who tries to help him by giving him feedbacks and reading the script and also giving him one of her ADHD pills to focus and keep him up because he had a deadline. Fortunately, that helps and he ends up writing the script just in time and when his agent reads it and loves it, it leads to him happily kissing Jade and then moving the party back to the bedroom. Wink wink. I mean, it's not like they haven't done it before because like, but like they've never done it without Taylor. Wait, that mentioned the word trouble now. I didn't. Oh well, they are and if you don't know what that means, well, Google it. Well, taking it back to the 60s. Bethan wants to confront her husband about knowing about his affair. So what does she do? She cooks his favorite meal, has a drink waiting for him when he gets home. He's suspicious at first and is like, is everything okay? Like, the doting fake husband he is. And he asks, are you sick? And that's when she realizes, hmm, why not? So she tells him that she's sick and she has cancer. Yep. She used the fake cancer card and that she only has six months to leave. And this works. He starts paying attention to her and being all lovey-dovey and whatever. But then, this April girl that this lady convinced not to have the abortion goes to tell Rob that she's pregnant and that he didn't need to be involved and that it wasn't. It doesn't matter because she's getting an abortion anyway. And do you know what this guy did? Let me give you a second to guess. Guess, just guess. Did you guess it? Probably not. He gets down on his knees and proposes to her. Well, you're married, Rob, she says. Then this nigga says, Oh, don't worry, just give me six months and I'll be done with my marriage. Guys, I wanted to cry for Bethan. Like, this babe just. <laughs> this babe thought she'd fake a miracle after she had completely gotten her husband back. But nope. He was already planning on moving on. He was already planning another marriage. So, when April gets home, she calls Bethan. And tells her the good news that oh my boyfriend says he's going to leave his wife and six months. And that's when she realizes this isn't gonna work. So the next day, while her husband is at work, she starts packing her things, packs her clothes, her makeup, her shoes, everything. And then she goes to his office to confront him and tell him that she's leaving him. And when she gets there, his secretary is like, she's like, Oh, are you traveling? I'm like, no, I'm leaving him because he's been cheating on me with somebody and she's pregnant. And then she asks that, where is he? And then Tucker's like, oh, he's at her house. And that's when Bethan says, wait, you knew? And you never said anything. I thought we were friends. And Tucker's just like, yeah, I've never been your friend and you should hate me for all I've done to you. Which is when this lady starts to speak. You know how the secretary knows everything? She spills that Rob has been cheating on her for years with different women, including herself, his secretary. And you might think that that's the most shocking revelation that you could ever hear, but apparently, the day their daughter had died, he had been sleeping with her in their matrimonial bed. 
or that day. And when they came back early, she had run through the back gate and so it was her who had left the gate open. And to make things worse, after she found out that the daughter had died, she had called Rob and told him that she had been the one to leave the back gate open. But he told her to never tell anyone. And then he kept on blaming his wife for all these years. See, I don't want to make it a weekly thing, but like, men will actually shame you. For real. What? <laughs> I can't. I'm just gonna hop to the 80s real quick. Where we find out that Carl had aid, but he didn't want to tell Simone because she and Tommy were planning a trip to Paris to actually see if they could work as a couple without having to like hide from like people, their friends and family. And he didn't want to stop her from going. But Carl's doctor, who apparently had a very little wife, cornered Simone in the bathroom at the country club and then told her. In my opinion, her and her husband needed to lose their license, but that's just she was POV. When Simone confronts and confirms with Carl, the relationship instantly shifts from bitchly contentious to sentimental and she discards of her superficial obsessions and she becomes an actual caretaker to Carl. So these two actually become the most heartwarming relationship on the show, like with the best chemistry. That legend, in my opinion, Carl and Simone had the best relationship. <laughs> so now back in 2019, Taylor is seeing dynamic change in her relationship when Jade and Eli are getting closer. And even his agent is calling her his muse. So it turns out, by the way, that Eli had had a drug problem a while back and had ended up in Rhea, but now Jade was giving him pills on the side to help him focus. And when the pills weren't doing it for him, they quickly slide back into doing cocaine. Yep. And I think the thing when Taylor finds out about his drug problem again is the most hilarious thing ever. So with the trio, because I'm not saying the word chopper anymore, it really makes me uncomfortable. So anyways, the trio are going to a polyan polyanomy couple retreat which is a theme by the way i don't get it anyways eli needed his fix so he pulls into a gas station and when the girls go in to get snacks he goes to the trunk which is where he hid his stash which is also where all their luggage is by the way and he takes a sniff but then a truck passes by and honks and he's so shaken to his core that he pours the powder all over their bags and next day, Taylor appears, but he quickly shuts the trunk and he gets into the car. So they're almost at the retreat, but then they see that there's a checkpoint where the security is searching trunks. And they obviously cannot miss the huge amount of cocaine poured all over their truck. And then Eli nervously starts turning and hitting the traffic cones in his way, trying to escape, which is when Taylor sees his nose bleeding. And that's when realization dawns on her. So they get back home and the argument starts and she's like, he has to go back to rehab and he should hand her his phone and wallet that she can't go through this again. Anyway, he begs her to take one last phone call from his agent that was coming through before he hands the phone over. But then his agent tells him that he had just sold his script for $1.2 million and Eli decided he doesn't need to move to tell him what to do anymore. He's rich now. And she can leave if she's not comfortable with it. So Simone grabs her bag and calls to Jade. Who says, I think I should stay back and watch over him. Yeah. It's the betrayal for me. 
Okay, so I'm going to round up by telling you what you've been waiting to know. Why women kill and also how. So we're back in the 60s for the last time and we see Beth Ann go to Mary's house with a plan on how to kill their husband. While they hatch the perfect plan, April comes over to the house to see Rob's wife because she's suddenly suspicious of Bethan. Well, technically Sheila, but no one is home. But she sees Sheila, who ends up inviting her into her house to spill the beans. So let's get to the killing, shall we? So here's what happened. First off, Bethan helps Mary pack all her things into her car. And while she's doing this, Mary writes a note to her husband saying she's leaving him because she wasn't happy and she had fallen in love with Rob. And then, Bethan goes home and waits for Rob. When Rob gets home, he's like, where's dinner? And she's like, oh, today got away from me by other Chinese and it's almost here. How about you have a drink instead? And then she starts like pouring drinks into him, like giving him drinks. I think he takes like three glasses. And then we see Mary's husband get home, read the notes, get mad grab his gun and starts making his way to Rob's house. So they were back in Bethan's house and they went back to the door and she's like, oh, maybe that's the Chinese. And then Rob's like, why is the guy so angry? And then she opens the door and guess who's there? Yep. It's April. <laughs> Bethan opens the door and comes face to face with April and then April starts telling Rob that she's friends with her and that she has been lying to her, that she has known about the affair for months and that she's the friend that she has been telling him about and all this is going on and then this nigga pulls up. Mary's husband pulls up and gets in an argument with Rob. They start fighting and next Bethan goes into, runs into the kitchen grabs the gun they keep in the kitchen, throws it to Rob, and then they both cock the gun at each other. And then when Rob fires, he realizes there's no bullet in his chamber. He looks to his wife, who just smiles at him. Oh, dear, you feel like, yes, girl. Anyways, Mary's husband shoots Rob like five times in the chest. And I was like, yes, it's dead. There's no coming back from that. So... Rob dies and then Mary's husband is arrested and goes to jail and then ends up being executed. So that's how the first story ends. Now back to the 80s, Tommy's mom had just found out about Simone and her son and was doing everything to ruin her life, including telling everyone that Carl had AIDS. So they got kicked out of their country club. People stopped buying from their art gallery and Carl was still dying. They maxed out their insurance. The most sent everything off so she could pay for drugs and hospital bills. But Carl just wants to die, but Simone won't let him. He then takes her to see one of his friends from support group and shows her how he's gonna end up, which allows her to agree. So they get the medication, they both dress up, and have one last dance as a couple before she injects him and he peacefully dies in his own bed in the hands of his wife and best friend. That was like the sweetest death. Last but definitely not the least and definitely the most extra because millennials 
Anyways, Taylor finds out from Jade's ex-boyfriend who she actually was, how she was a criminal named Irene that had burnt her foster parents alive and the police were still looking for her and she had been given Eli dropped so he could become dependent on her. This girl was actually crazy. I should like she was legit picking out a wedding dress so that she could get married to Eli. Anyways, Taylor tells Eli and when he confronts her while she was driving, which is dumb by the way, they get in an accident and then she leaves him there to die. But he survives. She leaves their home and then goes back to her ex-boyfriend before stealing from him and then stabbing him to death. When Eli and Taylor finally get back home from the hospital, she's in the house cooking, acting like they could go back to normal. But they tell her to leave, and Taylor goes to go and call the cops, but by the time they get back to the kitchen, she's gone. The cops arrive, but they tell them to leave the house because she could come back at any time and she was actually really dangerous. But it turns out that she actually never left the house. She's just hiding in the closet. And while Eli and Taylor were packing to leave, she stabs Eli and when she tries to stab Taylor, she defends herself and ends up killing her. So the person who dies in this scenario is straight and not, the, and not either of the couple. So after who was gonna die died, we get this montage of when Beth Ann was handing the keys to Simone and when Simone was handing the keys over to Taylor and Eli, which was really sweet because like we we see all our cast members meet at least. So guys, Why Women Kill is an amazing show and I highly recommend it for everyone to watch. Especially guys, because we all need to be careful. But all in all, the concept of how time plays a part in the show is really important. It it's not just about the matter of support garments or like shoulder pads to differentiate the storylines, but the way the women in society allowed and encouraged to be empowered in that time period. The domestic role that Bethan plays means that her first instinct upon learning about her husband's infidelity is definitely far from Simone's reaction and definitely way different than the relationship that Taylor and Eli had. All in all, this show was a 10 over 10 and I'm really happy I watched it. Like I said, thank you to the people that recommended me to watch this show. Anyways, that's all for today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure you screenshot the 6th minute of this episode and share it on Instagram or Twitter and tag me to get a shout out and also to recommend a series for me to watch and review. Make sure you also subscribe to the podcast on whichever app you're using to listen and if you're an Apple podcast listener, make sure you give the show a 5 star rating. It will really help me out. I appreciate you guys. Talk to you soon. Bye!